What is up? We are back Thursday afternoon edition after a brief hiatus on Tuesday. Uh, but I finally, Football Life Presents the Audible is back. You didn't think we were going to go a whole week during the playoffs without seeing us. We couldn't do that to you. So we are here. Um, we're excited on episode 92 of Football Life Presents the Audible. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my uh, feeling much better co-host, Matt Bushnell. Glad to see you. Glad I can hear you. Uh, and I heard you're kicking Omicron's ass. Yeah, you know, I feel a lot better than what I had. Um, I kind of got the double whammy there. I had the uh, old Rona, and then I got a upper respiratory infection. Mm. So I got the two for price of one admission here going on. So it, it's nice to be better um, over it. Anybody that goes through this, you know, it's it's not a fun experience by any stretch of the imagination. I will say, Randy, I've gotten more work done by not being able to sleep than I have in a very long time. I think over the past week and a half, I probably got a total, well, on average, four hours of sleep a night. Mm. You're, you're entering into my territory there. <laughs> That's not good. It's not no. good for your mentals. So <laughs> I'm glad you're getting work done, but you, you need to sleep. Sleep's very important. Um, but we're glad to have you back. We're glad to be back. And we're excited to talk some postseason football. Um, we're not going to talk coaches. We're not going to talk about GMs. Those are all merely just rumors at the moment. So once things start to become official, once pens get put on paper, we'll discuss. But for now, we're not going to touch any of those transactions because we got teams alive, my friend. But before we do any of that, Matt Bushnell, episode 92, great number, great number in the NFL. Great number for a specific position in the NFL. I'm talking pass rushers. And you know I have to go with my boy, my one of my all-time favorite players, the second greatest player in the history of the New York football giants, the Hall of Famer, Michael Strahan. The obvious choice. They finally retired number 92 last season. How else could I approach this episode? It has to be no other than Strahan. Yeah, I mean, you talk about one of the greatest players that ever played that position. He's in that conversation. Um, I think he's in the top seven all time for sacks. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure of the exact number, but me, myself, he's so good. I have to put him on here twice. Reggie White <laughs> was also 91, but he's also 92, arguably the greatest pass rusher that ever lived. I don't think anybody can argue that. Uh, Reggie you're White. You're not going to get one for me. <laughs> As you should. Great number. Great number. All time great number. Number uh, 92. Uh, all time stuff there. So great stuff. And so, look, wild card weekends in the books. We got divisional round coming up this weekend, but we can't just ignore the fact that Super Wild Card Weekend came and gone. Normally, we'd recap all the games on a Tuesday show. Things got in the way of that. But we're not just going to let these teams leave our lives and not give them a little kick in the ass out the door. So <laughs> let's go down the line and just talk about the teams that have been eliminated and just kind of talk about how they did and what we thought about it. No, we're not going to talk about the whole game, just their aspect of it, because we have a lot, of time, a lot of time to talk about the winners. They're still very much a part of our lives. But in theory, we're not going to talk about these teams that are gone probably until draft time. So. Let's just give them their farewell. I named this segment Farewell Losers. So let's go in order in which we saw them get eliminated. And we will start with the Saturday matinee, and that was the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders did lose to the Cincinnati Bengals 26 to 19. And, Matt, I guess the, the overarching thing for me is I think they made a lot of mistakes on their side of the ball. I think they settled for too many field goals, and the officiating <laughs> did not help the Raiders one bit at all. No, you could point to a lot of issues here, but I, I think the one thing we always talk about, Randy, like we talked about Alabama and the national title game, you can't trade touchdowns for field goals. You know, once you start playing that game, you're destined to lose. 
the best quarterback on the field was Joe Burrow. I mean, the plays that he makes are just completely unbelievable. The, the one thing I found to be one of the biggest problems is the whistle, the referee blowing that whistle at that time. The, the play should have been called dead. They should have restarted the play. It shouldn't have counted. And I know Bengal fans would be very upset by that, but that's protocol. When an inverted whistle gets blown, per NFL rules, the play is to stop, and then you replay the down. So to me, I thought they failed in that regard. It happened in the second quarter. So I guess this is where we can kind of take that narrative of the Raiders had an entire half to fix whatever they need to fix, and they didn't do it. But at the same time, momentum and a lot of that stuff shifts in the slightest of plays. And this is one of those times it did, and it cost the Raiders. And I believe that was, what, third down that happened? Yeah. Uh, so at, at the very least, you blow the play dead. They get another chance to score a touchdown. They could get a first down or they kick a field goal. So I don't know if it changes the outcome of the game, changes the outcome of the cover, which <laughs> if you're a gambler, yeah. I guess you wouldn't be upset about that. Um, but I'm not sure how much it truly changes the outcome of the game. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about the Bengals side of things, but the Raiders just shot themselves in the foot too many times. They had an early turnover. They weren't able to score in the fourth quarter when it mattered to tie the game. Uh, ultimately, I, I put that uh, blame on them. I know it's easy to blame the officials, but there were a lot of other factors in this game uh, where they didn't get the job done. So uh, Raiders, nice knowing you. We'll see what happens with the head coach. I know we're both big fans of the interim and we'll see if he stays. Um, but that, the, that news will probably come out in the uh, in the coming days. All right, second team we're saying goodbye to is this just brings a big smile to my face as a as a as a one of the more prominent Boston sports haters. <laughs> it just makes me happy. Uh, the New England Patriots did not just lose; they did not just get eliminated. They got embarrassed. They got clowned. Whatever word you want to use, like they got absolutely beat down by the Buffalo Bills. They lost by 30, 47 to seventeen, and this game was over in the first quarter. This game was over in the first half. Whatever you want to say, it was absolutely domination by the Buffalo Bills. They played a perfect game offensively against the Patriots three weeks ago in the regular season where they did not punt, and then they backed it up again. This is the first time a perfect game ever happened offensively uh, by a team. They, they <laughs> The Patriots allowed them to go the whole game without punting, without kicking a field goal, without turning them over, without turning them over on downs. Never seen anything like it, especially to a Bill Belichick-led uh, defense. So that's what comes out of this for me. I am shocked that Bill Belichick got steamrolled like this. I'm not shocked about the rookie quarterback struggling, but although – you watch this game, and I think Mac Jones was the least of the Patriots' problems. I just think Buffalo came out and just unleashed 20 years of anger on the Patriots in one night. And, uh, you know, now the Patriots kind of have to live in purgatory like the rest of us NFL fans. Yeah, let's face it. It comes down to quarterback play in a lot of these scenarios. And I think when we go through all these games, we're going to come across a common, a common narrative. Whoever has the best quarterback, mm -hmm. you have a strong chance of moving on. So to me, I take a look at this game and Josh Allen was just incredible, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, my best Jim Rome impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> Stupendous. Um, but just a, a really well-played game from start to finish by this Buffalo Bills offense. And, you know, it was funny because Brian Dayball is a hot commodity when it comes to these coaching openings. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to get a job. It's interesting. I think he deserves one. When you take a look at it, that's a hell of a statement to make in that interview process to go touchdown, 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 touchdown. <laughs> I mean, it, it was over from the get-go. Uh, Patriots were overmatched. I mean, the Bills are a better team, and it showed. 
Mac Jones, when you get him down, and I, I've been banging this drum for a long time now, and I think you too as well, Randy, I think we agree with this. When it comes to managing a game and making the, the you know, making 80% of the throws a team's going to ask you to make, Mac Jones is incredibly capable of doing all of that. Like he's the perfect get you from point A to point B quarterback. But once you have to rely on him to win you a game, to keep pace in this type of off in this offensive game, I, I don't think he's capable. I haven't seen it from him all year. And he's not Josh Allen. He is not the likes of Russell Wilson. I don't believe, I don't think he's Kyler Murray, I, you know, and obviously these are some mobile quarterbacks, but even Tom Brady, um, yeah, hell, even Aaron Rodgers is pretty damn escapable. So, so Mac Jones is limited. And, and I think we saw that coming into this class. I think that's why he was the last quarterback taken in the first round. Well, not the last one, because Kyle Trask was at 32. But out of the big five, he was the last one. Mm-hmm. And what we saw is a lot of these mobile quarterbacks were going beforehand. Mac Jones doesn't give you that. And we saw Josh Allen scramble by some time in the pocket. And he was wildly successful at it. The Patriots offense, you know, they don't have a really marquee wide receiver to break open a game. The running back position, Damian Harris is a nice running back, you know, but when when you're down by 28 points in a blink of an eye, there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do with running the football. So I I just have to give a lot of kudos to the Bills. And, you know, I, I just think when you get Mac Jones, and I agree with Tommy in the comments here. He, he needs weapons. And, but, you know, you, t- you take a look at some of the other quarterbacks, like a Justin Fields, like a Trevor Lawrence, you know, wildly, you know, these guys were wildly covered as number one and number two, and they should have went one and two. I, I still think at the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were the two best quarterbacks in this draft. No offense to Russell Wilson, no offense to Trey Lance, but those guys had holes in their games. Mac Jones should have went third. But, you know, what Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence, and even Trey Lance, they can extend the game with their legs. Mm -hmm. And the Patriots just kind of needed that extra boost this game, and they didn't have it. And the Bills just beat their ass wildly throughout the entire game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I'm a Patriots fan, like, I I don't know what my expectations would have been coming into the season, but it's clear the Patriots were interested in in – coming back and being the Patriots again, because they spent so much money in the off season on a number of guys. Uh, one of the, being Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, John U. Smith. Uh, I mean, even Matt Judon, who was great for them all year. I, I didn't feel like I heard his name once in that game. So, I mean, they're, they're big time money acquisitions. I was, I think we both were skeptical of at the time yeah. and clearly we're not enough to put them over the top against the Bills team that we both expected to run away with this division. And it really was the Bills kind of losing a few games that surprised us that really kept the Patriots in it, I felt. Um, and then and to, again, I, I know Mac Jones, um, we, we both think is incredibly limited, um, but to me, he wasn't the biggest problem here. This was on Bill Belichick's expensive defense and Bill Belichick has long been considered a defensive genius. Cause I still think he is two bad games against a, a great quarterback. Isn't going to change that, but my God, get a stop one time. Like I know <laughs> Mac Jones could have scored 30 points in this game and it wasn't going to make a difference. The bills that just ran and just dominated the Patriots defense in a way I've never seen this happen to Belichick before. 
And that's what would really bum me out. Belichick's strengths were completely exploited in this game. And I don't know how many important pieces that the Patriots were missing, but still, to my, in my opinion, it should not even have mattered. And I know the Bills got lucky because Allen thought he threw the first ball away and Knox comes down with it inbounds. And then Micah Hyde makes one of the most unbelievable interceptions you'll ever see. And if he doesn't, maybe it's a tie game. I don't think it matters much. I still think the Bills win the game. But the defense, to me, is just – I cannot believe that they just allowed seven touchdowns on seven drives, literally the perfect game. I, I'm just surprised that Belichick allowed that to happen. So, the Patriots, it's a bad way to lose. But, like I said, the Pats fans, I don't feel sorry for you. You have six titles in the last 20 years. I think you'll be okay. Uh, and, you know, we're going to touch on the Bills in a little bit because we have more to talk about them. Uh, so, the next team we're saying goodbye to, man, the next two teams we're saying goodbye to just brings me an even bigger smile to my face. In a span of three games, I got to say goodbye to Boston. I got to say goodbye to Philadelphia. And I got to say goodbye to Dallas. So as a Giants fan, welcome to the couch. We got a tea time next week. Don't miss it. So Philadelphia, uh, they, they go down to Tampa and they lose 31 to 15. This game was not close at any point in time. In fact, the Eagles were losing this game 31 to nothing at one point. So uh, the score is a little bit misleading, misleading a couple of garbage time touchdowns by Jalen Hurts does not change the fact that he looked very much lost in this game. Often the Bucks' strength is their run defense and it very much showed in this one and the Bucks look healthy. They, I mean, they don't obviously don't have Godwin and Brown is gone, but didn't seem to miss a beat much. But to me, the defense is the most important part for the Bucks, and they did their job here against Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, when you hear stuff about Jalen Hurts comes out about how bad his ankle was, it just really drives home the fact that the Eagles never really had a chance here. It, it was really – the Buccaneers are just too much – you know, they're a better team. And, and I know people wanted to pick that surprise upset, you know, thinking like, oh, well, you know, the Eagles have a chance here. The Eagles never had a chance in this game. That defense is back and it's healthy and it is vicious. So, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I, I don't know how you go into a game feeling like, the Bucks are going to be an underdog. Now they get another team. We'll address them in a little bit. But the Eagles, I just don't have much to say, Randy. It's just that they lack wide receiver depth. They lack running back depth. Um, the offensive line isn't terrible. It probably needs an upgrade. But that defense is not very good. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of holes there. So Eagles make it in. And this is the argument against the seven seed. Right. You know, it. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it just it, it didn't look good from the get go. And this is where we're at. I think it's more of an argument uh, against the week 18 instead of the seventh seed, because you take away one week and then you're looking at the fact that maybe we have New Orleans in the playoffs instead of Philadelphia. And then maybe we have the Chargers in instead of the Steelers. And then maybe it's a little bit more quality of opponent um, instead of that extra week that kind of spoils some of that. So, um, but point taken, absolutely. A lot of playoff teams, this is the kind of thing you're going to get yourself into. If you're an Eagles fan, you, you came into this in a rebuilding year. The, this absolutely was not a year you were expected to do much of anything. You went nine and eight, you made the playoffs and you have three first round picks now. So anything holes you need to address, you can do that. You can get depth. Uh, you can trade. I mean, there's a lot of options you can do if you're Philly. Um, so you have to be kind of happy about that because, you know, at the end of the day, when you're rebuilding and you can still be competitive, um, I think that uh, says a lot about your organization. So um, good for them. Anyway, 
Uh, now, now on to the game that was watched by more than anyone in, in the entire world in the, over the weekend. Um, and to my delight, and I'm so sorry, Tommy, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. But uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, just pooping on themselves on national television only the way they can. And it was glorious. Um, the Niners came out hot. They scored very much early right down the field. Um, they had control of this game for most of it. They were up. Uh, 23 to seven going into the fourth quarter. And that's when Dallas started mounting their comeback. Um, and then Dallas inexplicably just does has, they have two of the dumbest minutes of football I've ever seen. And they were at different parts of the fourth quarter. The first part, they fake a punt <laughs> and they get the fake punt. It was a great play call. And then immediately just forget how football works. And they leave the punt team out there in an effort to maybe confuse the Niners defense and keep their punt defense out there. They had the punter lining up as a slot receiver. It was very much Colts-esque. If you go back and watch that Colts play where they just have the center there for no reason. And then all the the messed up formation, no idea what they were doing there. Wasted 45 seconds. If only they could have had those 45 seconds back at the end of the game, uh, maybe they wouldn't have been in the situation that they were in. That leads me to the end of the game. Uh, they're driving, Dak hits a play, and then another play. They got like a 13 seconds left. He hikes the ball, quarterback draw, no timeouts. He slides, gets up, trying to get up, spike, spike, spike. The, the referee has to touch the ball, touches the ball, doesn't get out of the way in time. Clocks hit zero. Cowboys lose on a clock expired. <laughs> Just a mess, absolute mess of clock management. Of course, Mike McCarthy's like, what, what did I do? It was so stupid. This game just gave me a freaking aneurysm, just how dumb both of these coaches acted, in the, in the, especially in the fourth quarter in this game. But I'm not interested in any of these teams long-term, but the Cowboys going home, it's almost like a tradition at this point. I love the fact <laughs> that they're out here already. But my God, this was such a frustrating game to watch on the coaching perspective. And honestly, the Cowboys had uh, you know double-digit turno- uh, double penalties that also kicked them in the ass. So very undisciplined, very poor coached, and uh, that's why the Cowboys are going home. You know, I don't know. Dak gets paid a lot of money. And as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, and you're making more money than anybody else on that roster, this kind of falls on your head. He missed a lot of open wide receivers. The 49ers were playing a soft coverage, gave the sidelines all game long to him. Um, I wanted to get back and watch this tape because I thought it was curious as to, well, Dallas has all these weapons. How come they're not using them? Dak just wasn't reading the defense at all throughout this entire game. It could have been dink and dunk. It wouldn't have been pretty or aesthetically pleasing, but they were never down by a lot of points. It never felt like they were out of it. And, you know, partially I'm going to give blame to Dak here, but I'm also going to give blame to Kellen Moore. I, I don't understand the game plan, you know, with Nick Bosa out, Fred Warner out later on in the fourth, but, you still give up five sacks after Nick Bosa is gone. Like, what are you doing offensively to not give Dak this time? You know, Dak never looked comfortable. I don't know if Dak's injured or something's wrong with Dak at this point because he started off the season on fire. Like, he looked great. Like, oh, my God, this guy is absolutely worth every cent. And then you take a look at the other half of this season and even this playoff game. He did not look good. So that part is just curious to me. You know, I I think this team has some soul searching to do. Um, Schultz is a free agent. Michael Gallup's a free agent. What do you want to do with Amari Cooper? I I just, I I don't get it. Is Zeke worth keeping at that price tag? You know, the Cowboys have so many questions to answer at this point in time. 
defensively, I thought they played well enough to win. You know, I, I, I don't think you can go after their defense, even though Jimmy G loves to give away games. And, you know, I, I'm going to take Jimmy G and this 49ers team to the woodshed when we do our previews here in a few minutes. But I'm focusing on Dallas Cowboys here. Mike McCarthy's a problem. The fact that this guy got a head coaching job after just being admonished and that story that came out going to massages instead of attending team meetings in Green Bay. I, I, I don't know how you cure this, but this Dallas team feels like it's a little bit on the downslide now with other teams in the East can possibly rise. I, I don't know how this division will shape up, but yeah, I, I you, you can look to the game. You, you can't blame the last two minutes. Uh, the reason the last two game, you can't blame the 14 penalties. You know, your team's undisciplined. You don't play sound football and your offensive line's not blocking the way they should. And I'll tell you, Tyron Smith did not look like he should have been out there. He got beat like a drum all game long. And it hurt this team, and that's why they lost. Right. And um, to me, I'm watching this game, and it's driving me nuts that Dak isn't running more. And I don't know what's going on because I, he's always been a mobile guy. And I know he broke his ankle and snapped his leg against the Giants last year, but he had so many opportunities to extend plays and to run for first downs. And then, lo and behold, in the fourth quarter, he rolls out in the pocket and he makes a play, and he makes a play to Cooper, and he makes a play to Schultz, and then he runs for a touchdown. I'm like – I, it's driving me nuts that he's not moving. And I'm like, I don't know if there's his mentals is all there um, because to me, Dak was always a guy who wasn't afraid to run. And now he seems like he's very timid in that aspect. So uh, definitely not the ideal game from Dak. And to your point, Kellen Moore just leaving him out to dry, just chucking it 40 times. Um, anyway, uh, goodbye, Dallas. Uh, hate to hate to see you go. Uh, not really, but um, it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious the way in the most Dallas way possible. And you have Jerry Jones in the booth with his, the sunlight flashing his own players in the face. Like that's just, uh, just chef's kiss. Love it. You gotta love it. And, you know, as a cowboy hater, you had to, you had to you're a sick man. i I just, I have to, this is where I resort myself to the giants. Don't give me joy anymore. So I have to uh, really enjoy the pain and uh, of the 25 years and counting that the Cowboys have gone without even making it to an NFC championship game. So that gives me a uh, great pride knowing that. All right. Uh, Sunday night football now. And I don't think there's a ton we'd have to say, because I think we both expected this to be sort of a mismatch. Uh, I think this even more so than Philly. I felt that the Steelers were not really deserving of the postseason. A ton of things went their way and uh, they ended up there and big Ben Swan song. And this is what happened. I mean, the Steelers did have a seven nothing lead at one point in this game. Absolutely crushed my parlay from the very beginning. Thank you, TJ Watt. Uh, no doubt that he's the defensive player of the year. Uh, but they, after once the chiefs started scoring, it was all chiefs and they scored, uh, I believe it was a record amount of times in a short amount of time. It was seven, uh, six or seven touchdowns in less than 10 minutes, five uh, touchdowns in 10 minutes. What's that? Five touchdowns in 10 minutes. There you go. And that's just the kind of thing the Chiefs are. That's why Pat Mahomes has this Steph Curry uh, type aspect to him. Like once he's hot, he's hot and he's very hard to stop. And then once he's cold, it's, it's you know, he's got to get going again. So the Chiefs rolled and, you know, this was over once the Chiefs scored 21 points in the second quarter. The Steelers, uh, you know, ended up with 21. They tried at the end for the cover. <laughs> it didn't exactly work. Um, but, you know, I'm not totally shocked at the outcome of this one. Yeah, you know, Melvin and I had a good time in the game thread talking about hammering the under on the on the points. And man, I I I, I hedged my bets. I, I took them both. I took the over and I bet on the over as well. You know, I wanted to hit both of them because I that first quarter was crazy. 
And sometimes I forget that the Chiefs are the Chiefs because as bad as they looked, in that 10 minutes of, of football, like this team can just turn it on like that. And like you said, like it's Steph Curry-esque. Once they get going, it's like a runaway train, and you are not stopping them. No defense in the NFL can stop what they when they get hot. And, and that's the danger about playing Kansas City. They lull you into this false sense of security. Like Pittsburgh's like, oh, man, we're playing ugly. Okay, all right, ugly, ugly, ugly. Then they go on that touchdown drive, and then in the blink of an eye, you come back from halftime, and now it's 35-7. to 7. Like, it, it, it unraveled so quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and then all the garbage points, like Kansas City didn't care. It was just like, yeah, whatever, you know. So the, the overhit. I guess the moral of the story is never bet against the Chiefs on the under. Always take the over. <laughs> but, uh, Travis Kelsey's throwing a touchdown pass. And you're like, what the hell did I just do? Why did I take the under on that? Oh, man, it is, it is so crazy what this team could do. And then you, you take a look at Pittsburgh. I mean, all the problems are well documented. The, the quarterback play was awful. Um, you know, n- no semblance of a running game with Najee Harris. The, the defensive secondary was no match. It's just a, a lot of things that go on within this organization for the Steelers that you just kind of don't expect to see them. You know, it's like old Yeller now. You know, it really feels like you got to take them on the back and, you know, put one in the, in the skull because this team is not getting younger. Like people point to Mason Rudolph. The wide receivers, I think, are, are wildly overrated. You know, I, I watched Deontay Johnson. He's a nice player, but Chase Claypool doesn't do anything for me. Um, Juju, I, I don't know. He, he, he seems like an okay, like two or a three. Doesn't really feel like a one. And, and then the offensive line totally has to get rebuilt. That, that, that offensive line's not good. So if I'm a Steelers fan, I come out of this game feeling like, okay, you know, that's it. Good night. Yeah. Our, our run's over. Yeah. I mean, Big Ben's gone now. What do you do? I mean, they could easily still be relevant with one change at quarterback, and we'll see where they go there. But if it's Mason Rudolph, uh, welcome to the rest of the NFL over the rest of yeah. mediocre. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Um, and I just want to say before we move on, shout out to Donna Kelsey, the mother of Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey, <clears throat> Jason Kelsey, the center for the Eagles and Travis, obviously the tight end for the Chiefs. She was in Tampa for the Eagles game, flew from Tampa to Kansas City to see Travis in that game all in the same day. Props to her. Great momming. Way to go. Two two players in the NFL. You've done good, lady. Uh, congratulations. Um, so that's really cool story. So there you go. That's the weekend. But we had a Monday night football game. And honestly, the most intriguing part of this whole game was that we had a Manning cast, a very entertaining Manning cast. You had The Rock. You had Russell Wilson. You got all these guys. You had Larry Fitzgerald. That was cool. Like, I, I'm so happy that I got one more version of Eli and Peyton. Cool with that because the game stunk. The Rams came out and they looked like I, how I wanted them to look because I want them to take them seriously as legit NFC contenders and they came out and they looked that way and they made Kyler Murray look lost this was probably the worst I have seen Kyler Murray look at this level and it was a combination of Von Miller playing his best game as a pro Aaron Donald eating up double teams for breakfast Jalen Ramsey just not having DeAndre Hopkins to cover that helps too but man Kyler Murray he had the brutal pick six in his own end zone terrible decision-making there and there's the Cardinals offense just could not get anything going. And really once the Rams took the lead, this game was basically over from the, from the jump. 
Yeah, there's so many things that went on in this game, but the highlight of the night was the Rocks T-Rex skull, Stan. Yes. I mean, Stan was awesome, and kudos to Eli for pointing it out. Him and his death row chain, just all-star performance from Eli. You know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to give it up for Eli. That a boy, Eli. My guy. Um, but, man, <laughs> Yeah, this game was trash. You saw it from the get-go. The Rams punched the Cardinals right in the mouth and didn't stop. I, I go back, and I don't want to trash Kingsbury because you're seeing improvement, incremental improvement in wins per season. You know, I think first it was six, then it was eight. Now this year it was 11. But, you know, performances like these make you feel further away than what you want to feel, you know. At some point, you got to be competitive. And I know DeAndre Hopkins is a huge player, but my issue with the Cardinals, and people can cite play calling, people can cite, you know, this or that, and I, I don't want to get into all that. Football always boils down to who is the more physical team, you know, who wins up front. And the Cardinals' offensive line has always been this issue to me. And maybe it's Kyler Murray, maybe it's the offensive line, maybe it's the play calling. I feel like it's a mix of all three. You cannot get hit that many times as a five foot 10, 200 poundish quarterback. Kyler Murray, and he can't last 18 games and then go into the playoffs and go on a run. You know, this formula isn't going to work for them. He looked beat up. He, he didn't look like his normal self. The game looked like it was moving too fast for a third year quarterback. And, and that's stuff that you do not want to see out of your third year quarterback. And this stuff's got to get corrected. And, you know, I brought it up in the chat. And I know we don't want to look too far in the future. But if I'm Arizona, I'm mortgaging everything to fix this offensive line. Because if, if, if you don't get a guy like an Evan Neal or one of these stud tackles and then really address the interior and free agency, you're going to have problems. And, and I know people are like, well, you know, they're fine, fine. No, this offensive line has to get markedly improved. You can't do this. To Kyler Murray, it is Drew Brees had an electric laser release, got rid of the ball before he really got hit. You know, Brees didn't get hit a ton. Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, those guys lasted as long as they did, taking as many sacks as they did because they're so damn big. Kyler Murray's not that guy. He, he doesn't have the type of body to absorb those hits all the time, and it's going to wear on him. So either Kingsbury has to adjust the play calling and become a more run-centric football team or he's got to upgrade that offensive line massively and mortgaging some stuff in the future. They also have to get better in the secondary. I, I think that is a given. OBJ was running free in the deep crosses. And Cooper Cup drew a lot of double teams, and then they just really confounded the Cardinals. They didn't know if they should double-team Beckham. They didn't know if they should double-team double Cup. And then you got um, Big B. As, you, as a tight end, getting some action. I loved Cam Akers, really just physical running game. And even Odell Beckham got a completion in this game. So total domination by the Rams. The Cardinals got a lot of work to do. 
I think it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, too, if you're a Cardinals fan to know Odell Beckham Jr. had more passing yards than Kyler Murray did in this game. That is just brutal. Um, look, I, I love – I think wide receivers are much more important than running backs, but at the same time, there are positions of luxury. And if DeAndre Hopkins is that important to your team, you have roster construction issues ultimately because I do think you have other weapons. But if you cannot run the ball consistently, make other plays without him, then you have serious problems. And I wonder if this is just what the Cardinals are. Because if you look at Cliff Kingsbury's history, it's start off hot and then fizzle out and then get eliminated before you're supposed to. And then Kyler Murray is a similar trend here. He starts off as an MVP candidate. He gets hurt. He comes back, doesn't play as well. And then his season ends in a disappointing fashion. Now, we talk about in the chat, as we talked about, like how many short quarterbacks have actually won Super Bowls. And I mean, Breeze is pretty short. Russell Wilson is pretty short. But they're not Kyler Murray short. They're both built differently than Kyler Murray is. I think even if you rebuilt the offensive line, Kyler Murray is going to have issues seeing over the offensive line. Like, I think that's a real issue here. And I, and I just think that maybe this is what Kyler is and he's going to be fun to watch and he's always going to be entertaining. And the Cardinals are always going to be in and around the playoffs, but maybe they have a ceiling because, you know, Kyler has a hard time seeing over <laughs> the players in front of him. I think that could be a real issue for a long time. So um, unfortunately football for Kyler Murray is a big person's game and uh, that's never going to change, especially in the trenches. So uh, goodbye, Cardinals. Nice knowing you. Goodbye, all of these six teams in Wild Card Weekend. Thank you uh, for participating. You can join the rest of us on the couch. We have left a spot for you. Now, Matt, it's the time that everyone who's been joining us and involved has been waiting for. There are now uh, eight teams remaining. We are bound to the Elite Eight. Uh, it's time to get into it. There are just seven football games remaining of this season. It's very sad to say out loud, um, but we have four this weekend, two Saturday, two Sunday, and we're going to get right into it with the very first one. And it is those Cincinnati Bengals who did beat the Raiders in the first game last weekend. They get the early slot again, Saturday at 4.30 Eastern, and they get the one seed Tennessee Titans, who we did not see last week because they're the one seed and they get the bye. This game will be on CBS, uh, early game. Looks like, and, and our friend uh, Mel Lopez in the comments wanted to remind us that King Henry is back. So Derrick Henry is going to be back in this game. He has not played in, I believe, like six weeks. So he could be a little rusty, but ultimately the Titans have their weapons. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry. Got to feel good about that if you're a Titans fan. But I just kind of feel like momentum is on the side of Cincinnati in this one. Um, and that's why the spread at this one still sits at three and a half for the Titans as the home team and as the one seed. I think you and I agree that we didn't think the Titans were a strong one seed. And I think the Bengals are a bad get here in the divisional round. Yeah, the, the one thing I wanted to point to was I think what we saw from wild cards weekend, super wild card weekend was that the best quarterback won every game. Mm -hmm. You know, Stafford's better than Murray. I know people may want to argue it, but he is. Stafford has a better track record. Mm -hmm. um, you know, <laughs> Mahomes and Roethlisberger, two, <laughs> two, two different trajectories. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah. Prescott and Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like it's pretty much a wash. I, yeah. I don't really feel like anyone's better than the other one. They do different things better than each other, but similar quarterback. But, you know, when it comes to Joe Burrow versus Ryan Tannehill, I mean, I, I'm going to ride with Joe Burrow. I have a lot of confidence in him. But Tennessee seems to be this team that when you don't really believe in them, somehow they scratch and claw to win games. 
I don't know, Randy, if they can scratch and claw to win this game against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and all of them. Derrick Henry is going to be a huge get to get back in this game. I, I think that is going to be, you know, a, a big game shift for this. But missing six weeks, getting used to the contact again, I, I'm just not going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to bet against Joe Burrow. I, I think Jamar Chase, um, Boyd, and um, Higgins are just too much. And then you mix that in with a sprinkle of Joe Mixon. Um, I, I know right now Cincinnati is dealing with some defensive line issues, and, and, and that could change. I, I do think this is the second best game of the weekend. Mm. So it, it's, it's going to be a good one. Um, do, do we have a so we have Tennessee's favored by three and a half, right? Three and a half. All right, I'm gonna take Cincy to cover and I'm gonna take Cincy to win outright. Nice, but it's going to be 24 to 23 Cincinnati. Oof, yeah, I mean, this is one of the best divisional rounds that I can think of because most of the favorites won in the wild card round, and then the one team that may got the upset on the road was the Niners, and they're you know very talented team. So, and Vegas agrees because none of these spreads are very big, and five and a half is the biggest one. Yeah. So, um, this is an all timer matchup wise, uh, and this one's a good way to get off uh, to kick off the weekend. Uh, I'm a big proponent of momentum i think the Bengals have played very well obviously in week 18 they sat everybody but um you know the raiders they took care of business i don't think it was anything to sneeze at us i don't think it was like oh my god the Bengals are lighting the world on fire but he clearly still has the connection with jamar chase i thought that was you know a killer for the raiders every time they needed it to be and then when you uh, tyler boyd scores a touchdown if t higgins is covered cj uzama scores a touchdown and then uh, here comes joe mixon making plays and then their defense isn't like well known or that great but it still has players on it like bj hill got a huge sack trey hendrickson is an all pro this year he's been great all year for them and their secondary is just sprinkled in with a bunch of uh, kind of like retreads almost like you have eli apple out there who i absolutely hate but he still makes plays for them and then uh hilton's out there making plays like you have random guys just out there who disrupt passing lanes and seem to get interceptions in timely manners like they just have playmakers um all over the place so uh I like the Bengals here. Joe Burrow just oozes cool. Like he just doesn't ever seem like he gets under pressure and doesn't ever feel like he you know, feels anything to me. And I've seen Ryan Tannehill play pretty poorly in the playoffs the last few years. Even when the Titans beat the Patriots in Tom Brady's last game in New England, it wasn't because of Tannehill. It was because of the defense. When they beat uh, Lamar Jackson in the number one seeded Ravens that same year, it wasn't because of Ryan Tannehill. It was because of the defense in the running game. Um, and then they have lost in consecutive uh, seasons, uh, or they lost last year to the Ravens. So Tannehill, I do not trust in the playoffs. Rabel, uh, I like Rabel as a coach. I do think he's the coach of the year, but I think it comes to an end here. Give me Cincy. Uh, I like them. I'll say 29 to 27 in a really close game that comes down to the wire cannot wait so espn did this one thing um where they had joe burrow in big games and mm-hmm. i i can't i can't tell you the games all of them but joe burrow in this espn measurement is seven and oh in big games according to how they measured these big games joe burrow has never lost a big game so yeah. watch out for that keep that in mind you know it's mm-hmm. very important joe burrow is the man and I just can't help like to think of it in historical perspective too. Like we're going to look back five years from now and say, 
you know, hey, Joe Burrow made the AFC championship game in his second season, just like Pat Mahomes did. Yeah. Um, and no, he got spoiled by Ryan Tannehill and he made the AFC title game for the second time in three years. Like it just feels more right to me that it is Joe Burrow uh, and this Bengals team being in the final four than it does for the Titans to be. So um, I, I think Burrow is an elite guy. I think he's going to be one of the best QBs in the league for a long time. And it just feels right that he leads this team who had the number one pick just two years ago uh, to the AFC title game. And if you're a fan of a Cincinnati sports, I think you deserve it. So congratulations. If you mean matter correct, the Bengals are going to make the final four. All right, so that's the first game Saturday. The second game Saturday, I mean, all these games are just juicy, and these teams have a history in the playoffs recently. Aaron Rodgers welcomes in his playoff nemesis. He is 0-3 against the San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs, uh, and now this time he gets them at the pack. And uh, I think the only other, one other time was in Green Bay, uh, and that was in 2013. That was a Kaepernick team, and they lost that game at the buzzer as well. So the number one seed Packers get the Niners who come off of like we talked about the game against the Cowboys and the Packers are favored of five and a half on this eight 30 kickoff on Fox on Saturday night. I'm all about it. I love the uniform matchup potential in this one. I love the storylines with Rogers never being able to nine beat the Niners. I don't think it's the same Niners. I do think the Niners are dangerous. I think if they, this is my problem with the Niners. That's what we didn't talk about with the aspect of Dallas. The only reason that was a game is because the Niners let it be a game. They were foolish with their play calls. They let Jimmy try to win the game. Jimmy turned the ball over. Jimmy allowed them to stay in the game. If the Niners come out and they play a game similar to the 2019 NFC Championship game where they only let Jimmy throw 10 times and they just ran the ball down the Packers' throats, I love the 49ers in this spot. But Kyle Shanahan left me no the reason to believe that he's going to do that. I, I called it nut shit in the chat, but like it's bad shit crazy just to just allow this to keep happening. Like you're not playing Dak Prescott in this game. Aaron Rodgers is going to eat up those own coverages. Devontae Adams is better than any receiver the Cowboys have. And the Packers offense is just better than the Cowboys offense. And I think the Packers defense is truly the thing that I'm more concerned about. But at the same time, they're a solid unit too. I don't, I, I don't see them getting absolutely killed in this game like the Cowboys did at points in that one so I like the Niners and I think it's going to be a competitive one but I can't help but to think this team in California who's still in California practicing in California weather coming into Lambeau when it's going to be cold as hell coming in and beating Aaron Rodgers I know there's historical curses involved uh, but I think Green Bay gets the job done having played in cold weather things hurt a little bit more oh yeah a lot more (laughs) things get tighter those those injuries that you have so the the biggest concern if you're a 49ers fan right here is jimmy grappler has a bad thumb and a bad shoulder that's not going to get better in the cold dallas was pretty much climate controlled if he has to throw the ball at all you're fucked i mean just flat out you're not going to win the game if you're waiting for jimmy grappler to make a big play because you think he has accuracy issues now, in this game, it's going to be tenfold. So here's a big misconception. I do believe the last time they played was in 2019, right, Randy? Yep, that was the down where Jimmy only threw 10 times. And David back Almost 300 yards rushing on the ground, too. They they absolutely killed him. Yeah, and David Bakhtiari was out that game as well. So he didn't play in that game. They, they are healthy. The Packers are healthy. Randall Cobb is back. You know, Devontae Adams is there. Alan Lazard. If, if the 49ers are going to play that weak corner 
press that they try to do where they back the corners up and they just give the sidelines. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for 400 yards. It's, it's just going to happen because you cannot play that coverage against the Packers offense. It is too efficient, too good, too smooth to do that against. And if Nick Bosa doesn't play with concussion protocol, that's another issue. And let me bring this to the forefront. <clears throat> you can't play Saturday or Sunday and then go play Saturday. It's like Monday night. You know, I, I always bet against the Monday night winner because it takes so much out of you to come back. That extra day means everything. And now, you know, you're on, in theory, on week 20 right now. You've played 19 football games. This, uh, yeah, well, this has been their 19th game. This, this is going to be so hard on the 49ers. I, I, I like the point spread. I, th- I think the Packers win this game. Um, there's just too much working against the 49ers this game. You talk about the run game, Packers can't stop the run, 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 run. Yeah, but you you know what happens is Kyle Shanahan does this thing where he wants to be cute and run or throw the football with Jimmy G or whatever. It doesn't matter. Packers go up 14-0, the game's over. You score 23 points against the Cowboys. The Packers have a better secondary than the Cowboys. The Packers' secondary is extremely underrated, and they're very good. The Packers' defense, and I'm just going to say it, if you think this is the same Packers defense from 2019 to it is now, it's not. It's it's a vastly different defense. Yeah. They may not be great against the run, but they're good. I have it now. They're 12th in run defense in the NFL, so they're above average. Uh, they allow 110 yards rushing a game, so it could be worse. And it was much worse two years ago when they played in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. So so this narrative that they're bad against the run, it's not true. They're not. They're okay. And they can get stops. I don't believe this 49ers team can go into Lambeau in those conditions with a banged up quarterback that throws too many balls up for 50-50 balls that can go either way or make some idiotic mistake. I, I don't see it. Give me the Packers 35 to the 49ers 24. Oof, you're calling it a beatdown. Uh <laughs> look, I, I know that they're has been a history between these teams. And I, I agree with you though, because they, they spent a lot of money after they got destroyed uh, by the 49ers a couple years ago. And it was Preston Smith and they drafted Rashawn Gary and, and the overall defense is much better. And I, I feel like that is, is one of the more underrated aspects of their team. And obviously it's the one I trust the least because the other side has Aaron Rodgers, and I, I can't help but to trust Aaron Rodgers. but I know he has a, issues in the postseason. And our friend Henry likes to point out how many times he's come up short. I do think that the defense is why he's come up short more often than not. I don't necessarily think it is him. And a lot of times he does drag them further than they probably are, you know, worthy of going. Um, and, you know, I kind of get this vibe from the Packers that, you know, he called it the last dance before the season. It sort of felt like this was the last hurrah for them. And I don't know if he's going to change his mind. He, he seems flippy floppy with that. But I, I kind of get the vibe that this is sort of it for this this Packers run here. And, and I don't know if, if Rodgers is going to retire. I kind of feel like if they were to win the Super Bowl, he would consider doing that. So I think that this is part of it. I think maybe slaying the 49ers dragon in the playoffs is part of that uh, journey for them. And I think they do get the job done here. With that said, I have respect for the Niners. I, had, I think they're a very talented team. I do think Kyle Shanahan, despite being a total idiot sometimes, is a good coach. And I do think they will cover the five and a half. I think this is going to be a great game. 
I do think that is Lambeau at night, the cold. I, I think the uniform matchups with the gold pants of the of the the Niners with the red numbers and the gold helmet matched up with the green and, and yellow of the Packers. It's going to be fantastic stuff. The visuals of this game, perfection. Uh, going to love that quite a bit. Almost like I loved the Niners and Cowboys uniform matchup, which obviously is so historic in, in so many ways as well. I love that that visual too. Um, but I do think the Packers just just figure it out. I, I trust Rodgers. I trust Devontae Adams. I think they get the job done. Give me Green Bay. 33 to the, the 49ers, 29 in Lambeau. That's the second 29 I've picked so far, by the way. Second yeah. 29. Yeah, you're hammering the 29. Weird numbers, by the way. We No one thinks about the weird numbers, but I'm thinking about them for Saturday. <laughs> Excuse me. Time for Sunday, Matt Bushnell. And it just keeps getting better because I love this game too. And this game already happened this year in Los Angeles. This time it's in Tampa Bay. The Rams going to play the Bucs and Tom Brady. And uh, the, the Rams gave the Bucs their first loss of the season way back in week three. And both of these teams looked a lot different. There was Chris Godwin. There was Antonio Brown. Um, there was uh, Robert Woods. <laughs> the, there was much different vibes all around. Um, there was Daryl Henderson. He's not around anymore either. There wasn't Odell Beckham Jr. And there wasn't a Von Miller. So overall, these teams are very different. Um, I think Leonard Fournette's going to be back because he was supposed to be back last week and was a late scratch. So my assumption is that he will be back. I think that's huge for the Bucks' offense because uh, I think he's just much better than Keyshawn Vaughn, and I think Brady trusts him a hell of a lot more. So um, this is the 3 o'clock kickoff on Sunday um, on NBC, and it's Bucks minus three. So I think this is just basically saying these teams are evenly matched on a neutral field. It would be a pick em. I think that sounds right to me. I, I love this matchup so much. And, you know, I want to I want to love the Rams. I do. But I can't help. I, I can't just pick against Tom Brady. It's just not that simple for me. So I have a bit of a dilemma going on in my head right now. Yeah, I, this, this game is going to be fantastic. I, I love it. Um, but I'm with you. I just I, I can't go against Tom Brady. There's been too many instances of games where. I thought he shouldn't have won and he comes out and he wins it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as far as the breakdown goes, I, th- these teams are good. Like he's one of these teams. Are, it's They're really good defensively. They're both really efficient offensively. I, I you know, I, I'm just, I, I got to go with the bucks because it's Brady, but I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go 31, 30 bucks. You know, I don't want to go chalk. I, I, I didn't go chalk because I picked the Bengals, but I, I don't want to go chalk in these games, but I have a hard time not doing that. I do think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think Stafford and, and Odell coming off of their first playoff victories, confidence is, is all-time high. Like I said, Von Miller looks great. Um, and the Bucks had uh, injuries on that offensive line. Worfs left a couple different times. Uh, another guy got hurt a couple different times as well, but they both returned. So, you know, obviously I don't think they're going to be missing any time. Um, I, I kind of expect this to be a game where the Rams come out to a lead. I'll say 10 nothing, for example. And then they just get complacent and they let Tom Brady come back and they blow it late in the game. And it's just a devastating loss for the Rams and for Sean McVay. So give me the Bucks. I'll say 27 to 24 and an all-timer. Cannot wait for this one. Uh, and I think, you know, they don't cover the spread. Minus three. There you go. <laughs> Vegas knows what they're doing here. 
Uh, Henry's got an issue with us, apparently, so uh, he can get to that in the comments. But uh, we're going to move on to the last game of the weekend in the divisional round, and this is it. This is the game where I think whoever wins is going to the Super Bowl in the AFC. This is, in my opinion. Um, and uh, so, okay, before we get into that, Henry has an issue with how we view Tom Brady. So Tom Brady says he gets carried a ton, and he's viewed as immortal. So, um Rodgers has good games and it's never his fault, which is it? I mean, I don't think they're really comparable situations because I don't think Brady gets, you know, carried as much. I think early on in his career, he had great defenses, which certainly helped, but he still orchestrated those game winning drives in those early Super Bowls. And to me, you know, Brady has just every time you make a mistake, you can almost bank on him exploiting it every single time. Uh, and then Rodgers, I don't think if you I think if you switch their roles, um, Rodgers probably doesn't win as much with the Pats, but I do think Brady just gets killed as much as Rodgers has because those Packers teams, we have to face it, weren't as good uh, as we all thought they were. I think Rodgers literally dragged them to where they were. So I think both those guys deserve a ton of credit for what they've done. But Brady, how can he not be viewed the way he is? He's won seven Super Bowls in that push. So I don't know. I mean, what else are, what else convincing do we need to we need to say here? My biggest takeaway is this. How do we know he's not immortal? <laughs> like, he's 44, and he's an NFL quarterback. And he's going to win the most valuable player awards. <laughs> I, I, I mean, th- this, th- there's no evidence against him being immortal. So um, until it comes out that he is buried six feet in the ground, I am <laughs> not ready to go out on a limb and say he's not immortal. I mean, that... That card is still on the table, my friends. Uh, When it comes to Rodgers, look, my thing with Rodgers, he's the most efficient quarterback to ever play this sport. He's the most talented. He's not going to make a mistake. And I think Rodgers gets unfairly criticized in some aspects because everyone would take Aaron Rodgers. Everyone. I, I I don't care if you say you if you if you say you won't you don't know jack shit about football, because Aaron Rodgers is the equivalent of LeBron James in basketball, because what this does is Rodgers always makes the right play. Now it, it may not be the greatest play. It might not be the play where oh you remember and tell your grandkids all the time but he's got the most arm talent and he always makes the right decision with that arm talent with Brady. It's, it's Jordan. And a lot of things, he may not be the most physically gifted. You know, he may not have all these outstanding traits, but what Brady does is it's just like, when you need a win, that's the guy you want with you. And when we talk about carried, he still had to make those throws to beat the Rams in his first Super Bowl. He had to get them in field goal range. He had to get them through the playoffs. You know, he was asked to make plays. The game against Philadelphia in that Super Bowl, he still had to go tit for tat and score those points along with it. So this notion of Brady being carried, you know, they were down 28 to three against the Falcons. That's cements it for me. No other quarterbacks coming back from that. I'm sorry. Nobody. It, it's the mentality of the I'm not giving up until it's double zero. Like we've never seen another guy have that sort of like where I'm down, but I'm not out mentality. Even in the Super Bowls that he lost like, to the two against the Giants, I still felt until the clock hit double zeros, 
that Brady was going to somehow find a way to win the game because that's what he always does. Even in the first Super Bowl, he throws a Hail Mary to Randy Moss, who he probably should have caught the ball, and it was in a perfect spot 65 yards down the field. Unbelievable throw. Brady will never get credit for it because it obviously wasn't completed, but he still should have had that. And in the second Super Bowl against the Giants, he throws a Hail Mary at the end of the game, and if Gronk was 100%, maybe he makes the play, and we're not even talking about Eli, and I'm never happy ever as a Giants fan. <laughs> who knows? The, the, the first Seahawks Super Bowl, go back to that he was down 10 against the greatest secondary of this of this era and he came back and just beat them scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter like it was nothing and made Richard Sherman look like his mother died in his face like he literally ripped the heart out of that team and they've never been the same since the Falcons game you're down 25 I'm sorry no other quarterback is getting that job done the game against the Eagles he had one of the best quarterback performances in the Super Bowl history and it just got outdone because his defense couldn't get a stop against Nick Foles so that game he should have won that one too the Rams won sure I'll give you they only scored 13 points the, the second Rams won uh, that's Jared Goff I don't know what to tell you about that but nonetheless the guy just oh, is a winner and somehow I think he is truly the heart and soul of every team he's on so he's not giving up he's telling you to let's go let's be competitive let's win it's sort of infectious and he really has that leadership ability to lead by example and I've always appreciated that and for me I mean the difference between Rodgers being underappreciated and Brady being overappreciated is this right here Rodgers has got one Tom's got seven. It's the difference. Uh, it's really how the how, how it works when you play pro sports. I think my biggest issue with this is, you know, and Henry mentioned it in the comments, you know, he could easily have five Super Bowl losses. He could, but he doesn't. Yep. And, and, and that's the point. This is a salary cap era. These teams are a lot closer than they ever have been. You, you're never going to see the 80s 49ers again. You're never going to get that type of dynasty. You're not going to see the 90s Cowboys again. You're not going to see the 70s Steelers, the mid, I'm sorry, the late 70 to early 80 Cowboy teams. Those dynasties are dead because you cannot, you just don't have player control anymore. So you got to have a guy that can make the biggest of plays in the most pressure packed moments. And sometimes it is just getting your kicker in field goal range. Mm -hmm. Those plays are the difference. When you win football games, that's how your legacy is built. You know, and Joe Montana won four Super Bowls, only played in four. Tom Brady has played in 10 Super Bowls. Ridiculous. To put this in perspective, his time in New England, he represented the AFC in the Super Bowl 50% of the time. It's, it's absurd what this guy has done with the resume building. And I feel like it's important to note the other players that stopped him from going were Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and then randomly Joe Flacco. <laughs> like, <laughs> these are other Hall of Famers besides Joe Flacco uh, getting in his way. So it's not like, you know, he was letting uh, bums stop him from reaching it. So, yeah. And, and that Rams, the second Rams Super Bowl, that, that defense was stacked. It, it was a really good defense with, excuse me, with prime Aaron Donald. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to look, there's criticisms to be had against Tom Brady. Absolutely. And I can make credit and people make criticisms against Michael Jordan. And then you have criticism against LeBron James. And I think the same criticisms are made of Aaron Rodgers. Like this is more parallel than what people may want to give credit for. And it's apropos yeah. that you're wearing the Lakers shirt, Randy, because you know, Le LeBron always gets killed for not taking the biggest of shots. And all those defenders are like, oh, he made the right play. 
but yet those same people are the same ones that will kill Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah. but Aaron Rodgers makes all the right throws. Yeah. You know, so to me, it's apples and oranges in a lot of ways. Like, people are prisoner of the moments and they pick the narratives that they want to support. And that's all it is. And I'll say this from a psychological standpoint, I don't ever think we've ever seen such a force like Tom Brady in the history of the sport, because specifically in that Falcons game, like they were up 28 to three, but then when it became 28 to nine, it was all in the back of their heads. Like, Hey, Brady's not giving up in this game. Like this game is in striking business distance. If we let it be that way. And it almost got in their head to the point where like they didn't want to do it, but they did it anyway. Like Brady just instills that sort of fear, especially in teams that are inexperienced in the postseason, Cause he's been there and done it all. Like, obviously he's not going to run for a hundred yards in the game, but he knows every play to make. He knows how to do this. He knows every defense. Like he, he just, he really has done it all. And I have nothing but respect for the guy. And I think this conversation has gone on too long. You can, you know, you can, say you're welcome for the bonus content henry but we got a schedule here damn it we have things to do we have lives to live so here's what happens 10 minutes of our lives gone matt pushnell on an essentially a lebron jordan debate we have all off season to do that but for now we have one more game to touch on here and it is for me the afc championship game a week early i think whoever wins this game is going to the super bowl it is the bills going to the chiefs in Kansas City for the second time this season. And Vegas thinks this is just a crapshoot too, because it's just minus two for the Chiefs. So they're not even giving it a field goal. They're giving it a safety uh, difference in this one. Uh, and this is a 6.30 kick East Coast time on CBS. Um, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, I think this is, I don't want to say necessarily, like this is for all the marbles, like best player in the AFC, because even in what is known as a down year for Pat Mahomes this year, he still was in first in so many statistical categories passing-wise. He was remarkable still this season. I know the Chiefs had a bit of a lull in the middle of the year. It seems like they have been jumped out of it. Um, and the Bills just came off of one of the best games you'll ever see offensively. And then the Bills defense is still ranked number one in the NFL. So um, I, I know that you know the Chiefs have made it to the, the Super Bowl the last two years. A part of me believes that this is the Bills' year for the taking. I, I really love the vibe around them right now. They've won four, five games in a row, and they've done so in a really impressive fashion. But there's this Pat Mahomes thing. And do I really want to pick against the guy? Because he's been there. He's done that. He, the experience is everything here. I, 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 Matt, this is another one where I don't know what to do. Because I feel in my heart that the Bills have the momentum and they feel like the better team overall at the moment. But what if they blew their load early? What if they last week was their Super Bowl to unleash it all on the Patriots? What if all that celebrating was, hey, we finally slayed the dragon. The Patriots don't own us anymore. And the Chiefs are like, hey, remember us? Remember when you beat us earlier this year? We didn't forget about that either. And maybe that's the aspect of this that I'm not thinking about. Make sense of this matchup for me because I'm so excited for it, but I don't know how to choose it. Well, I mean, I, I think if I were setting the line, I would have it as a push. I, 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 I wouldn't be able to favor either one of these teams. I mean, the, the Chiefs by two to me, I don't know. I, I wouldn't bet this game. I, I would stay away from it. This is my best game of the weekend. I, I think this is a home run game and it's unfortunate it's on this one, but you're guaranteed three really good AFC games the rest of the way. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to get Bengals and Titans, you're going to get Chiefs and Bills, and then you're going to get a combination of who knows what. But to me, this feels like a legacy game for Mahomes. He's lost some games this year that you're like, eh, maybe you shouldn't have lost that one. That Cincinnati game, you know. 
the, the problem with me with the Chiefs, Randy, is that they turn it on and off way too sporadically. Like they go an entire quarter without scoring a point against the Steelers, and then they explode for 35 really quick. The issue with that is when you do that against the Bills, you could be down 28 nothing just as easily as opposed to 7 nothing. And that's what really scares me about the Chiefs. I don't necessarily trust them to show up in the biggest of moments, such as this game. I, 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 I'm going to ride with the Bills here. I, I'm going to take the Bills in an upset. I, I just, I think Brian Dayball knows this offense way too well. I, the Chiefs are just way too inconsistent for me. Um, this is going to be an all-time great game. And I'm going to take the Bills 41 to 40. Oof. Wow. Hammer the That's over. That's game right there. That's crazy. So, look, I, the Bills, and everyone's going to roll their eyes at this, they give me Giants vibes. Like, when the Giants went on those two Super Bowl runs, it wasn't that they were the best team or they had the best quarterback or they really had the best of anything. It's that they were stupid hot both times. And I think that matters. Uh, and I think matchups matter. Um, and the Chiefs, um, very much inconsistent, <laughs> very much leaving you like, why did this happen? You know, and I still think Pat Mahomes is incredible. And it would not surprise me in the least to see the Chiefs win this game. But I think I agree with you. I think I'm going to go Bills because I think that they are angry at the world. I see how their fans react. I see how how like they held all of that against the Patriots on Sunday. And it was like, yeah, we or on Saturday night. It was, yeah, this has been the last 20 years of you doing this to us. No more. This is our time now. And it's going to be, hey, the Chiefs, remember when you beat us in the AFC championship game last year? Yeah, we didn't forget that either. It's our time. Like this, the, the Western New York, it's our time. And now I don't know if the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl because they still would have to beat most likely Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. But I feel I think that the, this Chiefs team is flawed. I don't necessarily think it's you know the best version of this, and I don't think it means anything as far as the future because I still think the Chiefs are going to be you know relevant for a long time. But to your point, Dable in his bag in the wild card round. He could be in his bag here. He could be a head coach after this run. Um, I think Allen, whether we think he's the best quarterback in the league or top five or whatever, he's clearly playing out of his mind right now. And it all started when they were getting killed by the Bucs uh, a month and a half ago. They started to let him run. They started running with Devin Singletary. They changed themselves. So the, a lot of things with Buffalo just give me the vibes of this is not, I don't want to say team of destiny, but certainly a team that's will, like ready to take the next step into we made it to the AFC championship game last year. Now let's put it into fruition and make a Super Bowl for the first time in 30 years. So give me the bills. I don't think it's quite as high scoring because I have respect for both of these defenses, but I'll say 28 Buffalo, the Chiefs 24. So Henry can't call us haters and he can SMD with those predictions. <laughs> so I hope he's watching. I hope you enjoyed that. Anyway, Matt Bushnell. This is a wrap for us. Divisional round in the books. Hopefully it's as good as it is on paper because we're in for a real treat this weekend. If it is, absolutely cannot wait uh, for these games. But between now and Tuesday, when we are back to recap them all, Matt, we have shows, we have sports, we got stuff to talk about on our life group umbrella. Why don't you tell us about what people can expect? Yeah, so we have the Total Basis podcast with Felipe and Austin Sparrow on Sunday mornings. Um, I'm not really sure if they're going. I'm trying to verify that, but um, check it out, Baseball Life. 
um, Dong City. Um, I'm sure once there's baseball news, <laughs> which well, there's baseball news, it's not happening. That's the news. <laughs> At I, least I mean, not, not on time. It, it sucks because spring training is such a fun time down here. Mm-hmm. And to be robbed of that two times in three years, it just sucks. Well, I, you know, in upstate New York, the winter, one of the true signs of like, hey, there's a light, you know, is when pitchers and catchers report. <laughs> it really starts the countdown of, of spring. And, you know, we're not getting that either. So that, that really is a bummer. Yeah, it sucks. And then we have the Step Back podcast. They went this past Monday. I do not believe they're going to go next or this Monday. So every other week. So catch those guys, um, you know, basketball's on fire right now. A lot of great matchups, a lot of great teams. To me, I think the elite teams are separating themselves. Ooh, those not Lakers. my Lakers, that's for sure. <laughs> not, not your Lakers at all, my friend. But I, I think we're starting to see Brooklyn and Milwaukee really kicking into that high gear. So I love listening to Leon talk about that. And, and the issues with the Atlanta Hawks, they, they were really good this past week. So anybody wants to tune in, I, I suggest give it a strong listen. It's really good. And then um, we're back on Tuesday, you know, to discuss everything that happened on divisional playoffs, you know, where we were right, where we were wrong. We may be right on a lot. We may be wrong on a lot, but um, I think we picked the same winners for all the games, Randy. I think you're right. I don't think we disagreed on any of them because I thought for sure you were going to go Chiefs. Uh, so I thought I was going to go against you there and you really threw me for a curveball. So, um, oh, well, well, sometimes sometimes we go against each other more often than not. And maybe the final four will have some differing opinions uh, next week. So barring any sort of illness or laryngitis or COVID, <laughs> whatever, uh, we'll be back on Tuesday to break down it all. And, you know, to your point about uh, basketball life, the step back, just two guys really know, no basketball. It's really, yeah. really good. Uh, and then, you know, they, they know college ball. They talk about women's basketball. It's all, all encompassing. Uh, and, you know, March Madness coming up, you know, the, uh, Jacob's Duke Blue Devil is not doing too hot. Uh, so, you know, you're going to want to you know, heckle him about that, too. So uh, be sure to check those out. Like I said earlier, just now seven games of football left appreciated while it's still here, because in just three to four short weeks, it's gone. And then we just wonder what's next. And I'll tell you. I'll be looking forward to the draft because we're all going to be there in attendance. So not so bad. There is certainly something to look forward to in the universe post Super Bowl, uh, but just seven games left. I'm looking forward to each and every one of them. Uh, Matt, before we say goodbye, you know, we want to say thank you to all of the people who participated on Facebook Live and everyone watching us on YouTube. And if you didn't want to look at our faces, if you're listening to us on the audio only platforms, we appreciate all of you wherever you are making us just a small part of your day. Now, do you have any parting words for the audience before we say goodbye? I just have a question. What happens first? A regular season MLB game is played or the NFL draft? That is a good one. And I think it's the draft. Oh. <laughs> I don't think baseball oh. happens until May. <laughs> so I'm th- I, I think maybe we get some spring training action by April, but if they don't get to go on here, we're not going to get baseball for a little while. So um, the ball is certainly not rolling um, in the diamond world. <laughs> and it sucks but hey the nfl draft will keep us going basketball will keep us going maybe i'll get a little bit more into hockey this year who knows <laughs> rangers are pretty good so liking that um so 
Yeah, that's a tough one. Sucks too. You know, we wanted to re-up our baseball bet again this year. You know, well, maybe at some point we'll get to do that. But for now, we'll just look forward to the draft. But before all of that, we get to look forward to divisional weekend. So enjoy all the games this weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday. On behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond saying stay safe and stay healthy and warm.